welcome to another episode of Dr. Me First. It's me, your colleague in medicine and coach in life, Dr. Freaking Aaron Wiseman. And have I got an interview for you today. So I was on Instagram, you know, tooling around because that's what I do from time to time. And I came across a really awesome profile about this cute little blonde who was talking about nurse burnout. And I was like, hmm, I want to know me some more about nurse burnout. And so I started following her and seeing similarities, but also seeing differences that we have in the clinical team when it comes to burnout. So I dropped in her DMs and was like, hello there, Diana Page, NP. Would you like to come talk to Erin Wiseman Dio about nurse burnout? And she said, absolutely. So when our powers combined, burnout, you better watch it. So I'm so excited to share this interview with Diana Page. She's an outpatient neurology NP. She's a burnout survivor, now turned burnout educator and mentor, and she brings it today. All right, before we get into our show today, let's talk about this week's sponsor, Deputy. At your practice, what happens when staff call out sick? How much time does it take to find a replacement to fill in? If you need to cancel appointments because you're short staff, what does that cost your practice? Well, Deputy is a simple app that helps more than 250,000 workplaces tackle this exact problem. Deputy makes it easy to schedule staff in line with patient demand, communicate schedules with your team, and instantly find replacement when someone calls out sick. To find more and to try Deputy for free, go to drpodcastnetwork.com backslash deputy, D-E-P-U-T-Y. Welcome to the podcast, Diana Page. Hey, girl, it's great to finally meet you in person. Hey, oh my God, I'm so excited to be here and finally meet you. This is so great. Thank you so much for having me. Well, our podcasting audience out there, I found Diana on Instagram. Y'all know me. I am always looking for people that I can make my friends. And I saw that she was talking about nurse burnout and I was like, holy shit, she's got to come on the podcast. But before I jump too far ahead, Diana, tell the people out in podcasting world a little bit about yourself and the magic you're putting out into the world. Sure. So I'm on Instagram at Catalyst for Self-Care. I um, am a burnout survivor. I burned out in my first nursing job, but I work full-time as a neuro NP in the outpatient world. I'm a mom. I have two little, little tots. And yeah, and I absolutely love connecting with other healthcare workers workers, other nurses, nurse practitioners, especially ones that need resources to either help them avoid burnout or help them kind of treat their own burnout that they're suffering at the time. It's been really quite an honor to connect with the people that I've connected with on on Insta and other places like on podcasts like yours. Yeah, because holy shit, who forgot to teach us about this stuff when we were in school, right? Oh my gosh. I know. <laughs> I say that because I like recently reached out to my in school to be like, you know, I really think it would be helpful if you had be nurses about, you know, how to navigate toxicity and how to have difficult conversations and like setting healthy boundaries and, you know, burnout 101 and, you know, like what to look out for red flags, you know, that would have been so helpful for me. I probably a would have recognized my own burnout sooner, but B would have probably advocated for myself better and kind of had less <laughs> less pain going through it than I than I did at the time. So yeah, absolutely. And so 
when would you, people ask me this question all the time and I kind of hate it, but I'm going to throw it at you is when did you finally recognize that you were burned out? You know, it's funny. People ask me that all the time too. And it's one of those things. It's for me, it's a really hard question to answer because it completely took me by surprise. I think I was far more burned out than I realized for quite a while. It took me years. Like I was in that job for four years and I was miserable for like a lot of it. So yeah, I was, I was really burned out for quite a while until I was like, why am I just doing this to myself? And then I realized it wasn't me necessarily doing anything to myself. It was the environment that I was working in and the, you know, the unrealistic expectations that were in place for the workload and things like that, that were like huge drivers of my burnout. But yeah, it's, it took, I can say years. It definitely took me a long time and it was present long before I really recognized it for sure. Yeah. And don't you think, at least from my perspective, it's because it's so inundative in the system that you just look around and everybody mm-hmm. is suffering and everybody is burnout and you're like, well, I guess this is just what it is. Oh yeah. And there's that culture too out there, right? I mean, we get this like you know, I mean, in the nursing world, we hear this like, well, I had to do it. So you have to do it too kind of mentality, you know, and that I think is a very like toxic mentality. But yes, if everyone around you is burned out, and no one's talking about it, then you're like, Oh, I guess this is just kind of what we do. And that's definitely how I felt. You know, a lot of people around me were unhappy, but no one was using their voice to create any kind of change. Like no one was like taking any initiative to figure out if it was their schedule or whatever, whatever the the triggers were. And they were just kind of like churn and burning until a lot of people, there was just a lot of turnover, um, a lot of unhappy, grumpy people. <laughs> so yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't healthy. And, you know, being new, especially sometimes it's really hard because you're looking to your peers and your colleagues for guidance on like, what's normal, what's not, you know, especially if you haven't been taught that previously. And that's why we were instant best friends, because I love that you talk about the tangibles. I love that you talk about toxic work environment and love some of your posts about like nurse nurses eating their young, because as a female physician, I've seen this go down. I've seen it happen so many times when a graduate nurse comes on the floor or nursing student or a new hire and man. Those old hens, they go after them. And it is that pervasive culture of like, well, buckle up, kid, because this is just what I had to do. And I've really found from the physician side, if I'm working in that kind of environment, it's really hard for me myself to stay healthy, too. Yeah, I mean, I would say like it's not just like I mean, obviously, it's very common with like different generations of nurses, but I would say that, you know, lateral violence, even amongst peers, you know, of the same age or what have you, there's a lot of unhealthy competition. There's a lot of gossip, a lot of like clicks, things like that, that go down and that can be very toxic. And there's a lot of bullying in certain places. I would say there's plenty of you know, I don't want to make it sound like every place is this terrible environment. There's plenty of really healthy work environments. You know, I'm in a very healthy work environment right now. Like all the nurses get along really, really well. Were there times where there were some, you know, interpersonal sort of disagreements? Sure. But I would say that I work in a very healthy work environment now. So not every environment and not every sort of older nurse, younger nurse dynamic is going to be toxic. There's plenty of great preceptors. There's plenty of great kind of mother hens that want to 
teach and want to be supportive of the younger generation. And we just need more of that, you know, and I, part of why, you know, I, I love to talk about the tangible. So yes, Bestie. Uh, <laughs> I just want to really show like younger nurses that they can step up into like leadership roles and really, you know, do kind of change that culture and kind of shift things like shift the burnout culture. So we can all sort of support each other, work together as a team and really, you know, just change kind of that vibe. It just sucks. <laughs> it does like, suck. And as I'm sitting here listening to you talk, I could say a majority of the work situations that I've been in working with the nursing team, you know, the medical team, they've been toxic, unfortunately. And I'm really glad that you're in a good place. And now that's one of my things as I look for different positions or I help physicians, you know, find their fit is asking those questions so that you can identify those red flags before you go into the hire. And I was actually working with a bunch of healthcare students. It was like a combination of nurses and PT students and a few others. And I was giving them some tips about this. Like, when you go into a job hire, it's not just about like finding the first place that will offer you a position. I think so many times as a new grad, and I felt like this as a physician, I was just like so thankful to get out and get a job. And in, and in fact, I love that's the work that you're doing with your mentorship is like really helping people identify, you know, is this the environment for me? Because actually I'm a wanted resource. And I can go do a hundred different things, but is this the place for me? So I'll throw some tips that I throw in there, but I'd love to hear your suggestions on like, so how do you like weed out a toxic work environment or a place that perhaps has gossip, has unhealthy competition, has bullying as their standard? Yeah. Like when you're interviewing, you mean? Yeah. Like when you're interviewing and like scoping them out. Oh yeah. Well, so when you interview, you definitely want to ask, A, you want to talk to people that have the role you have, <laughs> you know, like sometimes, like I know, like when I was interviewing as an NP, you know, some places you had to request to like talk to another NP. <laughs> it's like, really, that should be standard. I think a lot of places it is, but I would say at the very minimum, you should speak to one, if not more people within that role, because it's important to A, see like how long they've been there. Is everyone on the unit, you know, under a year experience. Like I have many nurses that I've spoken to online on Instagram or in mentorship where, you know, they're the most experienced nurse on their unit and they've only been a nurse for six months, you know, and they're asked to be charged and all these things and train other nurses. And they're like, I'm not qualified to do that. Like, I don't feel comfortable with that. So that's problematic, but, you know, looking to see what the turnover is can be a huge red flag and high turnover typically means toxicity is present for sure. I would say if leadership doesn't meet with you while you're there or people kind of find excuses why they can't find time for you while you're there, that's kind of a red flag as well. I think asking people about the culture and about leadership and whether they feel like they have a voice is really important. And again, asking more than one person is important because you never you never know, you know, maybe that one person you ask is really tight with the, you know, with management and, or, or if they're really, really unhappy, maybe they're the only one that's really unhappy and they just don't know why. And, you know, everybody else seems to be doing okay. So I think it's important to talk to more than one person and then just kind of looking around. I know it sounds crazy, but if people look unhappy and look like they're stressed beyond life, there's probably, I mean, obviously on the floor, we're not always happy all the time, but I feel like you can kind of get a vibe, you know, you can kind of look around and see how people seem. 
and really just have your eyes open because just as much as, you know, they're interviewing you and asking you questions, you really need to be looking at, you know, just observing, like taking in interactions between staff and leadership. If you see anything, just to see how, how it seems. And if it seems kind of yucky or you get that gut instinct, then I say move on. Honestly, most of us have a pretty good sense of what seems right and what seems not right. And I would, I would lead with that. I would trust yourself. Yeah. That inner intuition. She's one smart bitch. That's definitely one thing that I've definitely learned. I would echo all of those things that you said. And I actually include when I'm talking to my physicians or my nurse practitioners who are transitioning, doing a drop-in, doing an unscheduled drop-in, be it to an office or the floor or whatever. I think it's really important to find people with their pants down and to really see like, did they like roll out the red carpet for me? Or is that really how it is all the time? And that's been a really good thing for me to help weed out positions that are just not a fit because unfortunately hospitals know how to build nice buildings and make things look wonderful on the outside when inside they are decaying. So I would say do a unplanned drop-in. My other tip is slow to hire, slow, slow, slow. As much as we think we need to push and we need to get this job and all those things, I really think it's, you've got to pump the brakes. Like you were saying, Diana, talk to multiple people, talk to so many people that you feel like you really, really know these folks. Because my thought is if they are tired of talking to you, if they are tired of answering your questions in the interview process, what happens when you get in there and you have even more concerns to talk about? And so if they can't catch it on the front side and they aren't willing to be open and honest, that's not a place for me to be perfectly honest. And then the other thing that I've recently started doing is because there's Google out there, why not look at the online reviews? And then when you go into the interview, you ask about them. So for instance, I was helping a a coachee recently. They got a hit on Indeed from an organization. And we started looking at the online reviews and we were like, oh, what's this about? And I was like, you need to make sure when you go into the interview that you bring this up because public perception, though we don't want to cater, you know, we don't want, um, you know, all our press candy scores to determine our value and our worth. But it is something to note that if the office or the organization that you're getting ready to join has all sorts of patient complaints, to me, that shows that there's something else going on within there. And so I do say, look at reviews and it's not a hard stop, but just ask them about it. And, and, you know, this organization, they had a great answer. They said, you know, look, we were not prepared for the patient volume. When we opened, we were understaffed. We weren't ready and they owned up to it. And I felt like, wow, you know, like that's an appropriate answer versus being like, oh, well, it's taken care of and it's fixed. Don't worry about that. Yeah. Well, and an answer to a question like that is really important too. Like the way they answered that, it indicates that their character is, you know, top notch, that the fact that they were kind of willing to admit to a failure and sort of what they, what was going on at the time, I think actually speaks a lot to the fact that they were probably actually a relatively good organization to work for. The other thing that I want to mention, kind of echoing your your drop-in was shadowing. So one of the things I've done for all the jobs that I've applied for is just shadow for a day, which, you know, again, kind of gives you more time and actually sees people in action and sees, you can see kind of how workflows go and the interaction between staff and things like that. And that I find has been very helpful in kind of assessing work culture on a unit or something. So 
Absolutely. And I, I think the other thing too, is we're talking about like on the higher side, you know, sometimes you already land yourself in a situation that you look at and you're like, whoa, I am way in over my head. And my personal example is when I worked in an emergency room, I was like one of two female physicians. The whole rest of the group were guys. The nursing culture in there was, they had, they had some good apples. They really did have some good people. But like you were saying, there was gossip. There was unhealthy competition. There was poor mentorship. There was huge clicks. Oh my God. I have not seen this big a click since junior high. And I remember going and talking, not just with the charge, but going to, you know, the nurse who was in charge of this and even the DON and being like, I see some like significant issues with here. And I was really surprised how quickly I got shut down as the doctor who was more than willing to help and come and try to change the culture for which I was working in the the emergency department. Because I mean, it's very important that we had teamwork and that we all felt comfortable working together. I eventually left that position more because I realized that it wasn't going to be changed. Talk to me a little bit uh, as far as when you're working in your mentorship program and, and with your people, when they find themselves in the situation, how do you help them navigate how to change and when it's time for them to leave? Yeah. So I think, I mean, that's a great question. I think it's very, like, it depends on the situation. You know, I have a couple of nurses that I'm, that I just wrapped up with. So we just finished our spring cohort last week, which was like so bittersweet because it's been really amazing to work with them. But um, one of my mentees through our time together, just really talking about basically, you know, what is it about the job that is making her miserable. I think knowing your triggers is really important. And, you know, for her, a lot of it was, of course, like staffing and schedule and things like that. But a lot of it was like just the role itself. You know, she felt very unsupported, but she really felt that the specialty was not for her. So for her, she's opting to leave, but it's more because it's like knowing what your values are, knowing what you actually want to do and not feeling like you have to work bedside because it's kind of what nurses do. You know, there's plenty of non-traditional, quote unquote, traditional, I mean, whatever that means, uh, nursing roles. So for her, that was what was helpful. But, you know, I think a lot of our conversations were just about interactions between like her and staff, her and leadership, kind of giving her some scripting for speaking to leadership about her concerns. And then, you know, even if you're not met with like what you mentioned before with the ER where people you know, aren't willing to work with you, then it's about, again, knowing what your limits are, which I think is really important. So we do a lot of that. We, we talk about, again, values, limits. We do a lot of how to have difficult conversations with people, how to identify what toxicity there is, you know, for issues with her moving forward. But it was about identifying her as the bully and then the confidence to actually stand up for herself, which is really important. And then the scripting and sort of the tools to then actually like carry that out, which is really, really difficult because it's putting yourself out there. And, you know, if you've never done it before, it can be scary because you're afraid of retaliation. You're afraid of all these things. So it's working through a lot of those emotions, but also getting really tangible tools for whatever the trigger happens to be. And sometimes it is just a matter of you are in a really horrible situation that will not change. And it's a matter of deciding or giving the nurse or the NP sort of the empowerment to decide for herself or himself, whether or not they want to transition somewhere else, because ultimately sometimes you have to save yourself, you know? 
Absolutely. I, my framework that I work is the four C's. So we really, and all of that, exactly what you're saying. So clarity, getting really clear on what your values are, what you'll tolerate, what you will no longer tolerate. Yeah, exactly. What triggers you? Why does it trigger you? So, and and what do you want for the future? And then definite confidence. And I tell people borrow confidence. It, it can totally be borrowed and it can totally be worked up like a muscle. It just takes time. Courage. Courage is a huge thing as well. It can be borrowed as well, especially like you said, using scripting and tools, knowing that you're going into a conversation prepared to have those difficult conversations. But by doing it, that is going to be the best way forward for you. And then my last C is compassion. And I think it's so important, not that we have compassions for others, but that we really start learning to have compassion for ourselves. And I just had a really great conversation with Kristen Neff with her new book coming out, Fierce Compassion. You know, so many times we think about compassion as like the tender, sweet, soft side, but really there's a yin and yang. There's that fierceness side too, as well as like, and sometimes the most compassionate thing is to be the mama bear and to be like, no, do not take another step forward. (laughs) You have made the line. So yeah, clarity, confidence, compassion, and courage. I love that. Yeah. It takes a lot of courage and you know, it's, it can be really, really hard. And especially I think for new nurses, because their confidence isn't there. They have a lot of imposter syndrome, you know, and if they're kind of find themselves in these sorts of environments, it's, it creates a lot of self-doubt. You know, I know for me, I almost left nursing altogether because I really just thought that I wasn't cut out for it. And I'm so, so glad that I didn't, but it's, you know, I hear that a lot. And so you're right. It is a lot of really rekindling that self-love and getting the tools to really take action because without action, nothing changes realistically, you know, and even if it's a baby step, it's still a step in the right direction. Yeah. And it's not just nurses. I speak to so many physicians who are just like, I'm out. But I I think it's great that we can come and have this commonality between us and say that it's not you. You're not broken. Like there, there's nothing essentially wrong with you. I always use the analogy of like square hole round peg. Like It just doesn't fit. It's not the fit. And you don't have to sit and beat yourself up for the next 10 years of your life. Like you can make those changes and, and start making those changes today. And sometimes they're just like small pivots in a different direction, moving to a different unit or an office or like changing your schedule or having hard conversations about like, no, I actually don't want to do this t- type of role. Sometimes yeah. it's leaps, which is like going and, and implanting into a whole new organization or different space. But I think too many times people, it's like all or none. Either it's like this or I'm going to like start doing pottery and baking bread in the middle of Alaska. (laughs) And it's like, no, there's a lot of stuff in between and a lot of changes with that. And I'm just so glad to have you as an ally to say like, we, we can change healthcare. We can do this sustainably. There, there is a place for everyone in every facet. I remind doctors all the time. And I, and I bet you do this with your nursing cohort is like, you can work one day a month. Like that is an option that I think so many times we think, oh, I can't do that. And like, who does do that? And I'm like, lots of people do that. It doesn't have to be 40 hours a week, 12 hour shifts on, off, on, off, on, off all the time. And so I so appreciate you giving people the space to let down their guard and to show their hurts so that they can heal them so they can come back better and stronger. Yeah. Yeah. Ditto. And, you know, I think a lot of it, like you said, is just really having clarity 
and self-trust and knowing that if you choose to do something like non quote unquote traditional and, or, you know, like a schedule that's different or, you know, a, a job that's not bedside or what have you, you're not any less of a nurse or less of a physician or less of a, you know, it doesn't have any bearing on our worth. And I think a lot of times we tie our worth with what we're doing kind of like the who we be versus what we do. And, you know, we cover that in week one of mentorship in my program is like really honing in on the fact that, you know, you're a human and it's okay to make choices that work for you. And you shouldn't kind of squeeze your life in around your job. You really should kind of decide what kind of life you want and then reverse engineer what kind of job fits with that, that lifestyle. Absolutely. So friends out there in podcasting world, if you know any nurse friends, if you work with any nurses or APPs who need this, who need Diana, get them to her resilient nurse roadmap. She's doing a mentorship each quarter. And um, yeah, you can go find out more at selfcarecatalyst.com. And I will put all of that in the show notes. Yeah, thank you so much. And I'm predominantly hang on Insta, like my DMs are always open. I love chatting with you guys. And if you need any resources, I have a ton of like, free content, toxic work stuff, post-shift reflections, whatever. But yeah, I'm always available and I love connecting. So reach out if you need me. And I see some more NPDO collabs coming in our future for sure. I know, girl. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it, love it, love it. Yeah, no, I love, love, love that we are allies. I love that we can work together because I think the more we talk about these issues, the better. And the more voices out there kind of spreading the tools and helping people navigate these things. It's, it's so, so, so important. Cause the last thing medicine needs is more silos. Definitely agreed. Million percent. Hey, are you tired of going at it alone? Well, friend, you don't have to anymore. Come sit with me. I want you to know that it's okay if you need to take a break. It's okay if you need to talk about some real crappy things. It's okay. You're not the first to feel like this, and you don't have to stick it out and be miserable. There is a way out, and there's a whole movement of fierce females in your corner. If you want to come sit with me and be in my community, you will not see me in Facebook groups. I freaking hate Facebook with a deep and fiery passion. (laughs) But what you can do is come over to Aaron Wiseman's Badass Collective on Slack. Because guess what? Once a badass, always a badass. And this isn't anything that's paid. It's not anything that I'm like throwing huge promos at you. It is simply a community where I am trying to get people together in the same space so that we can have these kind of conversations safely and in a protected manner that you feel so loved on. It's the whole purpose. So click in the show notes, get over to the Slack group. We do have some community rules. But, you know, that's just how it goes. But I would love to see you in there. I am in there almost every single day having real conversations, posting crazy pictures of my kids and gifts, all that good stuff. And I want you in there, too. So come on over. Come sit with me. Well, there you go. I told you when our powers combined, 
Head over and check her out at Catalyst for Self-Care, even if you're not a nurse. Maybe send some nurses her way. I think there's nothing wrong in collaborating, opening up our experience, and talking about that. Because the only way that we fix burnout and we change our culture in medicine is to start getting open, vulnerable, and advocating for each other. So remember, I'm sitting here advocating for you. Before we end, here's a quick reminder about our sponsor. If you want to boost efficiency across your practice and make staffing scheduling easier, try the Deputy app. You can try this award-winning technology for free by going to drpodcastnetwork.com backslash deputy. That's drpodcastnetwork.com backslash deputy. And reminding you, your life, your calling, your pulse matters. <laughs>